This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. It's State of Ukraine from NPR News. I'm Steve Inskeep with NPR's best reporting on a war that is changing the world. The United States has not run out of Russian entities to sanction. The U.S. says it is blocking people from doing business with a Russian shipbuilding company and the world's largest diamond mining company. Al Rosa controls a quarter of the world's diamond mining capacity. Who knew? Its products might be on a finger near you. And now the company is sanctioned. Funerals for soldiers across Russia have made it hard to deny a reality. Many Russian soldiers are dead from Russia's war in Ukraine. Even the Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, now tells Sky News that Russia has suffered, quote, significant losses in the war that Russia declined to call a war. The Kremlin still denies other things. Russian authorities, for example, deny that they were the ones who fired a missile at a train station in eastern Ukraine. The images are hard to overlook. Leila Fadl got the facts from Nathan Rod in Kiev. So what we know right now is that the missile strike happened in the city of Kramatorsk. Uh, That's in eastern Ukraine, where a lot of fighting has been focused in the last week. Uh, From the videos that are circulating, this apparent missile strike, which, I mean, these videos are very disturbing, it does not appear that this strike was targeted at a military operation. Uh, The videos show multiple people in civilian clothes who appear deceased. Uh, They're laying next to luggage and bags. There's a stroller in one frame. Uh, The head of the Donetsk Regional Military Administration says the station was full of people trying to evacuate, and he says the missile was loaded with cluster munitions. We are looking into this, but we have not been able to confirm that at this time. Devastating, if true, that people are escaping and this happens to them. The war, though, has been going on for over a month. Why are so many people leaving this area now? So it seems like there's this kind of broader repositioning happening. I wouldn't say there's a lull in the war because there's still a lot of fighting happening in the east and south. But Russian troops have withdrawn from around where I am in Kiev and the northern part of the country. And they say they're now focused on the eastern part of Ukraine. And while Ukrainian military officials have been really reluctant to tell us and to say, hey, here's what we're doing for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked to soldiers in Kiev over the last few days who said that many of the troops here are now repositioning to the east. So there's a belief that the fighting is really going to intensify there in the coming days and weeks. And Ukrainian officials and local governors are urging people that have remained in that place to leave if they have not already. Do we know how many people are still there in this area? We don't. I mean, we know that roughly 10 million people, pretty much a quarter of the entire Ukrainian population, has already been displaced in this conflict. There were huge waves of people that I know you saw and talked to that were leaving uh, the eastern parts of Ukraine to the western parts weeks ago. Uh, I actually talked to a family from Kramatorsk, where this train station was hit a little more than a week ago when I was in Lviv, and they told me they fled then because Ukrainian soldiers came to their house and said, if you have the ability to leave right now, you should, because it'll make it, as e- it'll make it easier for us to fight back against the Russians when they come. Mm-hmm. So there's been an understanding, I think, for a while that this is where the fight is heading and that it could be very ugly. And, you know, we've seen the damage, the death, the horrifying accounts of what's happened to people around around Kiev in recent days. So there's a lot of concerns, I think, from people that were in those areas to say, hey, if that could happen here, we need to go. 
Yeah. NPR's Nathan Rott in Kiev. Thank you so much for your reporting. Yeah, thanks, Layla. We now have the story of someone who made it out of Ukraine alive. They did it thanks to the man we'll meet next. Brian Stern is a U.S. Army combat veteran. He was moved by stories of people stuck in Afghanistan after the Taliban takeover last year. So he resolved to help remove Americans from Ukraine. He met Leila Fadl after getting out 19 different people who generally fled with whatever they could carry. And you're picking them up on the worst day of their lives. What are they telling you? They're um, terrified, they're confused, their entire livelihood is whittled down to a shopping bag. On this day, he's planning for three extractions. Hey, it's Brian from Dynamo. How are you? He sits on a red leather banquette making calls. First, he plans for a bus of people in Kyiv he'll get out across the Romanian border. Stern then turns to his riskiest mission, figuring out how to get Bob Platts, a 62-year-old American veteran of the 82nd Airborne Division, out of the Kyiv suburb where he lives with his Ukrainian wife. So there's this major battle going on in his neighborhood. Platt's wife was sick with COVID when the U.S. warned Americans to leave. So they stayed as Russia invaded. And as his wife recovered, the situation around them grew worse. From his Kiev hotel, Stern calls Platt's. Hey, Bob, it's Brian. How are you? All right, what's going on? Okay, we have a little problem. On the outskirts of the city, not far from where Platt's is, there are reports of Russian soldiers going door to door. It's not sounding good, brother. Okay. Stern eventually tells the veteran he needs him to drive out of the neighborhood at a specific time. Platts is scared. So keep your together, keep everything charged and ready to go, okay? I'm going to try and make a play for you tomorrow. It's definitely getting worse, not better, all right? So our, our window to get you out is definitely shrinking. Yep. That, that's why I want to get there instead. Uh, I mean, if you're not here, then we're not going. Okay. Yeah, that's a decision I'm, I'm going to have to make because I don't want to risk my, my family. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. All right, and I don't want you to take any unnecessary risk either. Well, let me worry about that part, okay? Stern heads upstairs in his Kiev hotel to sit in a glass box for smokers after curfew. He smokes and thinks, smokes and thinks. His Ukrainian driver won't go. It's too dangerous. There are Russian checkpoints and constant artillery fire. At one point do you say, this one's too risky? Do you ever say that? Um, I don't know yet. Um, I don't know, but I hear his voice. And... He's a vet, and I'm a vet, and, like, don't leave a man behind stuff, you know? I mean, you heard his voice. The next morning, Stern goes alone to get Platts. Hours go by. Nothing from Stern, but a concerning voice text. Getting dicey here. And then, that evening, a call. The window closed, so 
the window so you couldn't get him. <gasps> I did not get him, no. Oh, Brian, I'm so no, sorry. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he'll be killed tonight. Russian artillery pounded the last Ukrainian checkpoint near Platt's neighborhood. Stern had to turn around. His first failed mission since he started doing extractions. But Platt survives the night. And so Stern tries again and again until we get a call on a recent afternoon. Okay, so Bob's right here. How are you? Bob Platts is out with his wife. At 4 a.m., he got a text from Stern. Be ready to leave in 20 minutes, it said. This time, Platts and his wife take their chances without an escort, afraid of what might happen if they stay. Was pretty scary. I mean, we had to take uh, logging trails because we were surrounded by Russians. Under the cover of darkness, they drove out of their village to get to Stern. You know, the whole two or three weeks that we were stuck, uh, artillery, mortar fire, that that was falling all around us. We were in the middle of a 360-degree Russian, you know, probably battalion plus. And were you just not leaving your home? Were you able to get out to get food, to get water? We had our own well on our property, so that helped. But the gas got cut off. The electricity got cut off. I mean, we were down to eating six potatoes a day. Did anybody attempt to leave and and failed? There was a neighbor of ours that once the Russians had occupied the uh, the village Bogdanivka, and we and we were cut off from the water supply. This guy tried to drive into the village to go to the community well. And they, uh, they, they killed him. <sighs> he was an unarmed civilian. And once they, they killed him, to this day, he's still sitting in his car. Oh. They won't let anybody recover his body. Was there any point that you thought, we're not going to make it? Every day. Do you think you'll be able to see it again, see your house, see your village? If I have to live to be 100 to spend every dollar of my retirement income to help rebuild the place, that's what we're going to do. I will go back one day. Platz is among the lucky ones. The scenes of the cities and towns that Ukrainian forces recently recaptured show just how many people did not survive the Russian siege. People like Platz's neighbor. And right now, Ukrainians in cities like Mariupol are stuck with no one coming to rescue them. Leila Fado on State of Ukraine. Ziad Butch produced and Kelly Dickens edited this episode. I'm Steve Inskeep. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. 
In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.